Hello, and thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love with the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I am Pam Marvin. And we're so glad to be back. We took a little break for spring break. Um, I don't know when you're listening to this, but in the you know course of recordings, we took a little spring break. So it was nice to have a little time of rest and relaxation and rejuvenation. But now we are back and we're ready to uh, dive back into our Ten Commandments series. So today, Pam, do you remember what commandment we're on? Thou shalt not steal. Is that number eight, you said? Number seven. Seven, thou shalt not steal. Lucky number seven. So, yeah, I, you know, when I was looking at this one, I just really felt that there's a lot that could potentially come into this sure. beyond just like, I'm not nicking something out of a store. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> nicking. The, I don't know that I've heard that. You ever heard that time. term? Yeah. But I mean, I think that's what we've really been trying to do in this series is to kind of expand our understanding of these commandments to go beyond just the most obvious uh, yeah. example of it. Because I think that's a place where, you know, when we're examining our conscience, sometimes it's um, a certain moral laziness in a way yes. that says, okay, if I haven't done the obvious breaking of, of a commandment, uh, I'm good to go. Right. But it's sometimes really in those details and those uh, more subtle aspects of um, what could be implied within a commandment that we right. can really find uh, places within ourselves where, where we're struggling to live up to uh the holiness that we would desire uh, to the people yes. we want to be for the Lord. I do have a, a way that I think is very common. You know, I work in a medical clinic and I kind of see this from time to time, not on a large scale, but it's the way that you use the resources at your office or business. You know, every now and then they say it's just fine to, you know, make a copy, you know, for personal mm -hmm. purposes and that's fine. But I think, you know, and sometimes there's like a little gray area when you go overboard or too much, you know, I think that's one of the ways, you know, how are you using your employer's resources? Are you using them wisely? Because if you're not, that could be a form of stealing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can go beyond even material things, right? Like when it comes to, I know so often people struggle with uh, the sort of wasting time on social media and things like that. Well, if you're doing that during work hours, you're actually stealing yes. time from your employer. You're getting paid for that time to be doing things that are ordered towards the work that you are meant to be doing for that employer. So when you are using time in a way that's for recreation at work... You actually are stealing. You're you're right. doing things that you're uh, you're being paid for time that you're not using for what you're being paid for. And so, yeah, that I think is a certainly something that is pretty right. common. I'm sure there are exceptions to the rules, like when when uh, that's part of your job is to wait around, <laughs> and that's well, acceptable. Yeah. But there's definitely if they are task in front of you that is required of you, and you are on your phone. Mm -mm -mm. No, thank you. Yeah, and I think. We do often relate stealing so much to material goods. Yes. And so this is a place I think that we can expand uh, to go beyond simply that. But I don't think that we should ignore that there are a lot of ways that we do steal in a material sense as well. And 
like some of the things that kind of come to mind as it relates to stealing in the material sense has a lot to do with how we use the resources that we have Mm. because, and this is kind of a a little bit of a a sticky point as far as understanding of what actually does belong to me. Mm. Okay. You know, this idea of, okay, well, if it's in my bank account, it belongs to me. If it's, if I, if my name is on the title, it belongs to me. This idea that all of of ownership has no responsibility towards anybody else but oneself if your name is on mm. on it, right? Oh, if I it's see in your going. account, I whatever. And, and the reality is, is that in the teaching of our faith, it's more a matter of stewardship than ownership. Yes, I'm glad you said that. And so those two, the distinction between those two things is important to remember, right? So true. I just want to interject there that... When, I mean, I've really struggled with fear of the future over finances. I mean, most people, I think at some point in their lives probably do. So hopefully this is a relatable story. But once I I read a small little pamphlet about how to never worry about money again Mm -hmm. in the St. Joseph Chapel there in Bryan, Texas. And my main takeaway was to always remember it's God's money. It's not really yours. You're just the steward. Right. And that, that is what stewardship is. It's the sense of all that we have is a gift, right? It, all the goods that we have, be them spiritual gifts or material gifts, any good that we have is really something that's been given by God. Mm-hmm. And that this idea that, well, I, I earned it or, you know, it's mine. Well, it's yours because the Lord has deemed that you will be the steward of it. And so the question then becomes, what do I do with the things which God has placed me in stewardship over? And so, of course, we can't think about this unless we talk about, you know, the parable that God gives us and, and Jesus gives us um, of the talents where he, you know, he gives a different amount. To the different people, you know, one guy gets 10, one guy gets five, one guy gets one. And they're expected to do something with it that increases it in a sense that not so that it increases it. So the guy who was given the initial amount can have more, can store up his own earthly treasure. No, so that he can yield an increase for the Lord. Mm. So the reality is, is that when we do things where we're ordered towards, okay, this is mine. So hoarding it for myself completely is not stealing. Well, it may not be stealing necessarily from maybe your neighbor, but in a sense, you're stealing from God because he's given this for you to do his work. Yeah, I have something that's kind of the, the second cousin to that thought, too. Oh, uh, second cousin, not a first cousin, but a second maybe cousin. Maybe second. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came out. Is unpaid debt. Think about that. So there's a debt that you have, a debt that you debt you owe, but you have not paid it and you're sitting on it, mm-hmm. right? And not paying it for whatever reason it might be. Maybe it's cash flow. Maybe you're worried there again, that fear of the future. Well, if I spend it on this then I won't be able to eat or, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So I think it's very interesting to think about unpaid debt and at what point that becomes 
you know, a breach of this commandment. Right. Because anytime that you're, you've made a commitment to pay something back and you're withholding payment, you are preventing the person who expected that payment from doing what they're called to do to be stewards of resources that were meant to be theirs. Right. It's the justice. It's yeah, the, it is. I would definitely give say a that person that, its due. Right. And so these decisions of how am I going to share the gifts that I've been given? How am I going to maintain a life where I feel peaceful about the future and still be generous with my gifts and not be hoarding things or stealing in the sense from the Lord of sharing gifts and growing um, those resources for the kingdom? I really feel that a lot of this sense of well, why would anyone steal or why would one hoard for themselves comes down to the topic of trust, Mm, trust in the provision of the Lord, right? Like why, why do I feel what one feel that I, they needed to like take something that, that wasn't theirs or withhold giving something that's, you know, been entrusted to them for stewardship that's meant to be, you know, given generously and shared generously. And usually it comes from the place of thinking that one needs to provide for oneself. Mm. That kind of um, unholy independence Mm. idea that it all depends on me. I need to make my way in the world. I need to be, you know, yeah, with the hands on the reins, making sure that everything is just so that I so that I can feel safe, secure. Right, right. You're placing your security in money, which is greed at the end of the day, instead of the Lord. Right, and we even use the term financial security. Mm-hmm. Like money can really provide any true security in this life, because the reality is this. Money can provide temporal goods. It can provide things that will make this life easier. Money will never save your soul. Never. Period. Mm -mm. It won't. It can't. It doesn't have that capacity. So if we do things that are contrary to the salvation of our soul for the sake of money, we have traded something eternal for something very ephemeral. (laughs) This is, as it is written, it is the love of money that's the root of all evil. Love of money. Right. And so why is that? Why? That's an interesting just sort of point in scripture to unpack. Why is the love of money so much the cause of evil? And we see that. Power. Yeah. I mean, we see that all over the world, like Mm -hmm. that sense of we want resources, we want goods, we want the power that money gives us. We see what, you know, having wealth can do as far as wielding power. Right, right. I think the human nature, the fallen nature of humans, because you can look to see how um, disordered it is when you admire someone because of their wealth, not their character. Mm-hmm. that's really disordered. Right. And the Lord, he, you know, speaks to that very plainly, you know, when he talks about 
um, to his uh, disciples and said, look, you know, when you go to a banquet, don't be the guy that has to be at the top table, right? And don't be giving the top spots to the wealthy people. Give the top spots to the poor and, and the mm-hmm. orphan and the widow. And why? Why? Is it just because are, are by their nature, the poor and the widow and the orphan, are they more worthy of anything than the rich guy? Does God love them more? I would say no. It's not that they, in their identity and their nature, that they have any more value because the Lord loves all the same. But what it does is that when you place the priority on those who cannot pay you back, who do not give you prestige, who do not give you any power over anything temporal, Mm -hmm. when you prioritize those things which have their source in humility and true charity as opposed to self-aggrandizement mm-hmm. or se- an increase in one's own uh, you know, wealth, power, prestige, you are then closer to the heart of God. And so he says, give the preferential option of the poor, not because the poor are by nature any more beloved by the Lord, but because the Lord knows that your heart will be blessed to be more properly ordered when that is how you are ordering things. It's the act of humility, that constant um, putting others first, which is what we're called to do. Right, exactly. Now, I do think that sometimes people do get a little wonky and they start thinking, okay, poor good, Rich, bad. Well, sure, because, you know, the, the scripture passage that says it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter heaven. I've always choked on that one going, what? I, I don't understand. Unpack that one for us, Megan. Well, I mean, I think it gets to the same point that we're talking about. When you do have this wealth, when you are getting power and prestige and respect because of your wealth, there's so many more challenges on you to live properly ordered towards the Lord and properly ordered towards the eternal. So it really comes back to the same point that the Lord makes when he says, to whom much is given, much is required. So what he's saying is when you are given the many, many blessings that come with temporal wealth, you are required at an elevated level to do more with it. So when we get back to the the talents, that guy who was given 10 talents, if he came back with one more, he wouldn't have fulfilled what he was meant to do. Whereas the guy who came back with five and comes back with five, he wasn't asked to come back with 10 because he wasn't given that much more. But so we're given these gifts, these responsibilities, this stewardship, And we're called to live with what we have been given in a way that's faithful, giving it all. Like another scripture that comes to mind is in Acts, when that couple, like, you know how in Acts where they're all like sharing everything in common? Yes. uh And that one couple, like they give a bunch, but they hold back some. And Peter, he knows it. Mm. And he calls them out. The Lord strikes them dead. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's like, 
pretty significant, right? But the point is, it it wasn't the amount that they gave or didn't give. It's what they held back. Well, it was their heart. Right, exactly. It was the of their heart. You know, I think that's very interesting, too, because now, you know, just in my cultural worldview perspective, you have to work harder at virtue when you have so much prosperity because, you know, the Lord uses our sufferings to draw us closer to his heart. There's just no doubt about that. The church teaches us that over and over again. So I think that that kind of virtue in prosperity is really challenging for a lot of people. And I just really hats off to those that are doing a good job of good stewardship and they are, you know, contributing financially really soundly in, in filling themselves with virtue. Because on the other hand, I've seen people too that had uh, copious amounts of money who did not live lives of virtue. And and to me, it, it's that, and you hear me say this term a lot, the poverty of prosperity, mm-hmm. which I do think is, is, is a big problem in our nation. Absolutely. And, you know, again, it comes down to that point of trust, I think, of the Lord's provision And, you know, he talks about this. He's like, you know, don't worry about, you know, what will happen tomorrow. And, you know, just have your sandal and your cloak and I'll provide. You know, he says, you know, if the Lord provides for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, do you think he's not going to provide for you, his beloved child? Why don't we trust him, Megan? What is that? Because we don't draw close to him a lot of times in order to grow in that intimacy and trust. And so I think that's actually another place that we can talk about. You know, we've talked a fair bit about the material things, but we mentioned time as something that you can steal. How many of us steal time from the Lord? when we don't give him the time that he really is due. Like, honestly, I would say if the only time that you enter into any sense of relationship with the Lord is when you go to mass on Sunday or, you know, church, if you're uh, not Catholic, but you're not spending any significant time in personal prayer on a daily basis with the Lord, you're stealing from him Mm. because every moment of your life is a gift from God. Every breath. Every breath. And we should be giving back to the Lord our time and our hearts and our attention. And so when we don't do that, when we focus on all the little things that we just prioritize in our lives and don't really spend a significant amount of time in God's word, in prayer, in service to others, we're stealing time from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sinful as well. That's so true. And, and, you know, it's interesting to me because um, I have that a, a constant, what is the right word, where you not a friction, but a constant tug that is, am I doing everything possible? Like, I, okay, I, I can say, answer I would, that question okay. for you. No, <laughs> nobody. Is. I never feel that way. Right. I always what, what would you call that? That tension uh-huh. of. I am not giving everything to God that I can. So when I ask someone one time, how's your prayer life going? And they're like, you know, it is great and it's perfect. And I just went, blah, 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 huh? that's possible in this life? I no, wasn't really sure. I don't sure. think so. I don't I think so. Honestly, I, mean, I think can't... if you think your prayer life is perfect, you're probably suffering from a little pride okay. <laughs> in your prayer. Okay. Like we could, we're never arrived in this life, right? Because yeah. there's always deeper we can go. There's always more intimacy that we can um, delve into with the Lord. And, and we are sinful. Right. We are, we still have those, you know, 
areas that need refinement that so but the I think the important thing to remember in that reality is not to be discouraged because the beautiful thing is the Lord's not asking perfection of you. That's right. He's not expecting perfection of you. He's asking you only to continue to strive. Right. And Megan, I, let's see if you agree with me on this. I had a, a moment with a friend the other day where she was suffering from dryness in prayer. Like she would still go to prayer, but not as often. Um, mm-hmm. But she is a missionary in the church. Like her whole life is ordered toward God and serving right. him and his people. And so I was, I, I encouraged her to say, well, perhaps he's withdrawing consolations, but realize your life is all ordered toward the Lord. So there's that part, too. And I think sometimes we don't acknowledge that part, too. If you have really ordered yourself toward the Lord in your vocation and just your prayer life and everything, I don't know. What do you say about that? No, I would agree. I think sometimes it's this is a place where spiritual direction is really helpful um, to find out. Sometimes there are things within us that prevent us from receiving God's pleasure in us to receive um, the knowledge that he is pleased with our efforts and, and with what we are bringing to him in our poverty, knowing that we're not perfect, knowing that we're never going to be able to live up to our own desires. If we truly love the Lord and we want to give everything to him, I think we never really truly live up to what we desire to give to him in this life uh, because it's just not possible with our own concupiscence Mm -hmm. and, you know, fleshy selves that are not perfected yet. So in a way, that's actually a sense of not being completely comfortable with uh, how we're serving the Lord, I think is sometimes a good thing, a good indicator that you have a heart that desires to give him all, you know, give him more than even can be given in this life. Mm -hmm. And there's a frustration with the limitations of this life. We should be frustrated with the limitations of this life because that is what gives us the longing for heaven. That's right. Right. And this is not our home. (laughs) Right. And I think, you know, maybe we're actually almost done with this uh, thing. I went by quickly, but I think that's a good place to land because a lot of times this idea of being focused on material things or hoarding, you know, time for ourselves or goods for ourselves or not trusting that we can be super generous uh, mm-hmm. Or thinking that we need to, you know, grasp for right. ourselves, all comes down to this idea of thinking that we need to make this life and this world paradise. That we need to feel completely at peace and right. comfortable without any desires in this life, and that's just not what this life's meant to be. Mm-hmm. This life's our job. Yes, we're meant to be working it so that we can enter into our rest. That's right. In the future, in the heavenly abode. So. You know, and I want to I want to wrap it too with just a kind of a snapshot on virtue or lack thereof. So, at the heart of "Thou shalt not steal" is greed, whether it's monetary or it's of your time. You mm-hmm. know that selfishness, sure. right? So that is it. So the counteracting virtue for greed is generosity, time, mm-hmm. spirit, and finance. So if you find yourself struggling with the, your use of time or finances. Go back to trusting and being generous. Yeah, I think uh, there's a phrase that really is relevant here, which is give till it hurts. Mm. Don't just Mm -hmm. give in your comfort. 
That's right. Give to discomfort. Yes. Because it is in those places, in that place of stretching oneself, in your going out of your comfort zone, that God becomes more and more to you. And that trust that we talked about will grow. It only grows when we get uncomfortable. No pain, no gain. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. And we hope that you'll tune in next time as we continue our journey through the Ten Commandments. I know I've been blessed to be with you here today, Pam. And if you've been blessed by this podcast, um, either this episode or any of the episodes, we ask that you would please consider sharing it. So until next time, God bless. God bless.